This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Well, this past week, it was deemed a volunteer Appreciation Week. So we wanted to recognize all of the superstars who volunteer here at the City Church. So if you volunteer anywhere uh, here at the City Church, if you could just stand up for a second. Come on now, don't be shy. Let's give this group a hand. It's not only these folk, it's also the people that are volunteering right now in City Kids. And we have um, some people upstairs in junior high serving up people back in the booth there in the dark. They are back there. And then also the same people, same group, we got serving, a different group rather, serving in second service. So these are the people that are making church happen uh, around here at the City Church every weekend. And so if you are part of the City Church, this is your church home. You know, this is not a closed group. Uh, these people that are standing, they're not an exclusive group. You can actually join this team at any time. And in fact, we encourage you uh, to do that, to take your church experience up a notch, uh, and to meet some great people, to accomplish some great things, to serve here at the City Church. We invite you to be part of the city team. Uh, but let's give these group a, a hand one more time. Thanks, guys. Well, we are continuing our series, Grace to Grace, this morning. This is actually week six. Uh, we're going to be finishing the series next weekend. So we're going to do seven weeks on the subject of grace. Um, and basically, a lot of times when I am preparing a series, I'll just gather a bunch of scriptures together um, that have those words in it or talk about that topic. And a lot of times, naturally, they will just fall into place as far as helping me choose what to preach on from week to week. And this has been one of the easiest things to preach on in a sense. There's so many verses on grace, so many things in the scripture uh, about grace. And I don't know, I mean, even though this is my own preaching, I really have been enjoying this series. And I don't mean that because I'm a really good preacher or something. But I mean, just reading these verses on grace should really just bless us and help us and cause us to be so thankful um, for the character and nature of grace that we see in the scripture. Once again, as we look at this topic of grace, we're not just looking at the word grace and defining it, even though we are doing that. We are seeing grace as part of the character and nature of who God is. And so once we understand uh, that God is a God of grace, as our, our verse says that we're going to read here in a second, it helps us to appreciate him and love him and be thankful for the grace of God. Um, it, it's so it's so wonderful just to sit in and understand and rest in the grace of God. That do you know that when you whenever you get blessed, whenever you receive something from God, that it is it comes from the grace of God. Did you know that somebody's negative opinion of you can't stop God's grace? And then on the on the flip side of that, your negative opinion of somebody else doesn't stop God's grace in their life. The scripture says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And so sometimes, you know, there might be someone out there that we don't like, heaven forbid, you know, you don't like them and you kind of know something about them and you kind of think they're not a good person and then they get blessed and you're like, well, what's happening? I, I know that about them and I know that they don't deserve that. You're right. Why did they receive it? 
God's grace. And the same thing about you. You don't actually deserve it. You haven't been the best of the best of the best. Just ask your family. They'll tell you. And so what is, what is the thing that caused that good thing to happen or that good thing to come into your life? Man, it is the grace of God. The grace of God. We should all be so thankful for the grace of God. So we've been talking, like I said, about the grace of God for, this is week six now. We've been talking about all these different things. If you missed any of the messages, you, you can go back and catch up on our website, on our church app, and also on our podcast. All of the messages are available in all of those places. We talked about God lavishes his grace on us. And then we talked about because we have been set free from sin by grace, it doesn't give us a license to then continue to sin. It actually, God has set us free from sin. So we should actually want to serve God and serve others because we've received this wonderful gift of grace. And then we talked about uh, how we all have gifts and talents that God has given to us by his grace and we should use those to be serving others. And then on Easter Sunday, we talked about resurrection grace. That because of the resurrection, uh, we have God's grace at the end of our lives and then also in the middle of our lives. When life is difficult and it seems hopeless, that in the middle of our lives, of all the twists and turns uh, of life, that we can actually have hope in our lives because of the resurrection. And then last week we discussed um, God's grace made perfect in our weakness. And the Apostle Paul said, I'm, I'm glorying in my weakness. I'm, I'm celebrating my weaknesses. Why, Paul, are you celebrating your weaknesses? Because I know in those places where I'm weak, he's strong. And so we, we talked about that last week. And then we finished up um, talking about something. And that, that will be our jumping off point this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles today. Or click in your app to First Peter chapter 5. Once again, I always encourage you to bring a Bible to church or make sure you have a Bible app on your phone so you can either highlight something, write some things down uh, that God would be speaking to you as we minister the word. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10 says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The God of all grace. If God is the God of all grace... We should want to know what that is and understand what that is and understand who God is as the God of grace. The, the doctrine of grace is unique to the scriptures. It is unique to the Bible that we're reading this morning. Um, this idea that grace and truth came through Jesus, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1. That Jesus coming shows us and displays to us the grace of God. So what does grace mean? Grace means broadly described as all of God's activity toward man. So all of the things that we have been given by God, those can be described as his grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God toward man. Grace is undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Grace is undeserved favor granted by a superior God to an inferior us. Grace is the undeserved favor of God in providing salvation for those deserving condemnation. So instead of us accepting and receiving condemnation because of the grace of God, we can actually receive and accept and have salvation. We don't have to be condemned or feel condemned. Grace speaks of the saving activity of God and which is manifested in the gift of his son to die in the place of sinners. 
God is a God of grace, so he sent a substitute, Jesus, on our behalf to die in our place for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could experience freedom from sin. Grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. Grace is gracious or merciful behavior of a more powerful, more powerful person toward another. Our lives in Christ from beginning to end are totally dependent on the grace of God. That the starting place of our relationship with God has come by grace. The ending point of our lives will, when we'll be able to move into the presence of God when we leave this life will only happen because of the grace of God. It won't be because of the perfect life we live because you don't live a perfect life. You need God's grace. The minute you think you've earned it, it's no longer grace. We're not earning the grace of God. We're not working for the grace of God. We are living from a place of grace. We are living from a place of freedom from sin. We're not living for, we're not trying to work it up because we can't work for it because it's a free gift. God gives us his grace. It is unmerited, unearned, undeserved. Our life in Christ is received, not achieved. We're going to be talking about that today. That our life in Christ is received. It's something we receive from God. It's not something we work for, whether through our religiosity or our morality. I work for it, and then God will... No, God is a God of grace. So God is constantly in this place of giving gifts to us freely. God is the God of all grace. Constant, He is the God of grace. So last week we finished up with this verse here in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, let, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we're confidently coming to the place where God dwells, the imagery of his throne, that God is sitting on the throne. And what is that throne called? It's the throne of grace. It's the place where God sits. God sits on a throne of grace, which means he is freely giving us what we need all of the time. That God is offering us his grace every day. And then it said this, uh, to receive something. I'm going to receive mercy and grace. I'm going to be able to find grace at the throne of grace. That would make sense, right? I'm going to go there to help in the time of need. That I'm going to receive something that God is giving to me from the throne of grace. So as we said, God on his throne of grace is constantly giving us grace. And then the world over here, as we mentioned last week, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. The world is going to, it's going to be up and down. And it's going to, the, the scripture calls it temporal or temporary. That circumstances in the world that we live in are up and down and they're up and they're yay and we're excited. And then they're down in the valley. And it's all over the place, the world, and people are all over the place. And circumstances are going to be all over the place. But God over there is constantly giving us grace. And then we are here in the middle of the world that we live in, which Jesus said we'll have tribulation. And then over here we have God 
giving us grace. Inviting us to the throne of grace so that we can actually receive something from the one who's always giving something. That we would be receivers. The scripture says we're going to the throne. What are we going to do? We're going to receive mercy. We're going to receive what God gives. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So once again, these last two verses describe the world. That it's up and down, this is happening, the mountains are falling to the sea. The imagery is that sort of the world is falling apart. But in the middle of that, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present, always giving from the throne of grace. Always giving us what we need in the middle of this broken world, broken by sin, broken by the enemy. And then here we are in the middle of a God who's giving us grace to actually help us in this time of trouble. So what are we supposed to do? What should be our posture? What should be our attitude as it relates to the God of all grace, who sits on a throne of grace, and who's giving us grace and mercy in a time of need. What God is asking us to do, and what God is wanting us to do, and what God is calling us to do, God is calling us to receive from his promises. God is calling us to receive what he gives us. Galatians chapter 3 talking about Abraham, Abraham, the father of faith. Galatians 3, as we started out this series a lot in Galatians, and Abraham is used as an example a lot in Galatians about someone who's living by faith, someone who's putting their trust in God in the middle of a tumultuous time, putting his trust in God. Galatians 3, verse 18, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer, it no longer comes by a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Now that word promise also means covenant. In other words, God is cutting a covenant with us. God is cutting a covenant with mankind in Christ to give us life in himself. And how does it come? It, It comes by a promise that God makes a promise from his throne of grace to be an ever present help in time of trouble. And then it refers, once again, uh, for if inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise that God offers to us, by his grace, promises. He promises something. One of the things we read there in the psalm is that, what is he? He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's a promise to us. Aren't you thankful that God promises us that? See, God is not causing all of these disturbances in the world. That God is a good God. The scripture says there's no shadow of turning in him. So all of the evil and all the dysfunction and all the struggles that are going on and around the world are because of the enemy, because of sin, because of bad choices. God is not the author of the mess in the world. God is sitting on his throne of grace, giving us help. He has promised us 
help, ever-present. He's always there regardless of what's going on over there in the world. God is giving us his help. He has promised us his help. And then here we are in the middle. God on his throne of grace, giving us grace and mercy. The world that we live in. What is the choice that God is calling us to? What is, the, what is the secret, in a sense, that God is giving us in the middle of these situations? Well, we should actually receive from the throne of grace. Romans chapter 4. Paul also talks about Abraham here in Romans. And he says this starting in verse 13. He says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that would be an heir of the world to come through the law, through the righteousness of faith. For if the inheritance, inheritance to the law were to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Do you hear, once again, we've been talking about grace. Do you, do you see the words of grace here in these verses? It's not by completing the law, it is just by putting our trust in God. Verse 15, for the law brings wrath. But there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, listen. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. See, we hear the words in here, we hear heir, and then we hear children, that we realize part of our understanding here in the New Testament is that we're not just servants of God, that we are actually sons of God. And daughters of God. And because we're sons and daughters, we're heirs to what God gives and what God has. Your children are heirs, or they should be heirs. <laughs> In your will, do you have a will? In your will, you have heirs. You're going to leave something to your heirs. You're going to leave something behind. And if you have children, generally speaking, you're leaving what you have to your children. Here is the language being used. God is our father. We are his children. We are his heirs of what God has, who he is. God is giving us something. Let's read verse 16 again. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace to be guaranteed to all his offspring. That God makes his promises and they rest on God's grace. His free gift to us. God who sits on his throne of grace is giving to us promises based on his character alone. Not ours. Because if it was ours, it would be up and down, right? God would be offering things to us based on our character, which would be good sometimes and not good sometimes. If God was offering to us promises based on our choices... How often would God be offering his promises? Don't answer that question. No, he's offering us promises based on his grace. It rests on his grace. But then this word faith is mentioned. And when I'm going to have faith in the promises of God, what I'm doing is I'm putting my trust in, my reliance on the character and nature of God, not my own. Because it's the throne of grace. It's not the throne of my awesomeness. It's the throne of his grace. He's giving promises and then God is asking me to believe it. God is wanting me to believe that he is an ever-present help 
in trouble. And if that's a promise, then by faith, by putting my trust in God, I can receive what God has for me. So I can go to the throne of grace, receive what God has for me, and I can go out here with my head held high. I can go out into the world receiving from the throne of grace God's promises. And I don't have to be scared out here. Whatever may come, I've got my faith in God. I don't got my faith in this stuff. This stuff is changing. It's temporary. It's temporal. It's up and down. My faith is in the promises of God. My faith is not in myself. My faith is in the promises of God, which rest on his grace. Not only to the adherent of the lost in the middle of verse 16 of the law, but also to those who shares in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So Paul is now referring to Abraham's story that God had called him out of his home country. He was an idol worshiper, called him to leave his home and go to a place and that he would make him a father of many nations. In other words, he would have children. Abraham was 75 years old. He didn't have any children with his, with his wife, Sarah. But here is the promise. I'm sending you to the place. And then you're going to be a father of a nation. And then what, is, what does it say? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. I have made you. Past tense. So God is referring to Abraham something in the past tense, which he isn't actually yet. But then he says, I have already made you this. But it's going to take about 25 years to receive the promise. But God refers to it in the past tense. That God actually gives something to us that's already established in the heart and mind of God. The promises of God are already established in the heart and mind of God before you need them. God is not surprised by your problem. Oh, Jesus, I didn't see that one coming. No, God has the grace that you need. Before you were born, God made provision for you. And he declares it. I have done something for you in Christ. Past tense. It's already done. The provision has already been made. In the presence of God, middle verse 17. In the presence of God who, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. 
That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. So Paul is telling us, listen to the clues. This wasn't just written so we could think Abraham was a great guy, that we can actually learn from Abraham that he put his trust in God when it looked bleak, when it didn't look good, when there was no reason to hope. Did you see that? He, he had a lot of things to consider, that God was making him a promise. God promised him something. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So here, Abraham is in the middle. I heard the promise. 25 years have gone by. Still no children. Here I'm in the middle of God who's made me a promise. And these circumstances that keep staring me in the face. Contradictory circumstances to what God is actually saying. God said, I, I have made you a father of many nations, and I still don't have any children. And the scripture says that he actually had a choice in the middle of what he saw, no baby, nothing happening. That he didn't, his faith, all of this unbelief was coming his way. But even in the middle of all of that, he's a hundred, his wife is really old, it doesn't look good. That he put his trust in the promise of God. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with you through Jesus. Covenant something with us. We, like Abraham, have a choice. Are we going to put our trust in God? And receive the promises of God? Or are we just going to stare at the circumstances? Oh, look at the circumstances. Look at the circumstances. Look at this is changing. It's this way today. It's this way tomorrow. And we can get stuck staring at the circumstances. Has anyone ever done that? Man, you get look at it and look at it. And then there's no hope and there's no solution. And I don't know what to do. And why are they doing that? I don't know why they're doing that. Why are they saying that? Why is this thing going on? Same thing Abraham is like, I, I'm 100 and she's 90. It doesn't look good. But in the middle of all of that, what did God, what did Abraham choose to do? He chose to look at the promises, the faithfulness of God. God who's sitting on his throne of grace, offering to me grace. Offering to me help and mercy in time of need. It's written as an example to us. John chapter 6. Let's read the words of Jesus. Let's go over there for a second. So what is the thing as Abraham is our example? What is the thing that God is calling us to do? What is the thing that God is asking us to do? Being aware of his grace. Being aware that he sits on the throne of grace and is offering to us grace. What is God asking of us? In the middle of this world that's got stuff going on. And then God who's sitting on his throne of grace. How is it that I'm going to take what God has and apply it in these situations? How is it that I'm going to get something that God is actually has for me in this season of my life? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get it from God? 
Do I have to keep track of my actions this week? And, and, or, or like maybe Santa's naughty and nice list. So maybe I made Santa's nice list. And then God will offer me something. No, God offers me something as a free gift. It just comes by grace. The promises rest on his grace. So what is God calling of us to do? Let's read here the words of Jesus. John chapter 6. Verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Jesus had done a miracle. He would fed a multitude of people. And then he's got a bunch of people that are following just because they want to eat again. Verse 27. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God, for on him God the Father has set his seal. You see that verse 27? He says, do not work for the food that perishes. Verse 28, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Well, don't work for this. And then they said, okay, well, what, what is actually the work of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered, them this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent what is the work of god believe the work of god is i'm going to believe that god is the god of grace that he's sitting on the throne of grace and is offering a me a free gift he's offering me a promise so what does, what does God want me to do? What is Jesus telling me to do? Um, I got to believe it. I got to believe that God is the God of grace. That God is offering me something. Do you remember when we read the, the verse there about throne of grace? What did it say to do? Receive. An aspect of our believing is receiving what God... If I believe that God is offering me something, then I'm going to receive what he gives. And I'm going to go to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in the time of need. Receive something. That word receive just means take to myself. I'm going to receive what God gives. I'm just going to believe what God says. I'm going to believe that God is offering me his promises. And when I believe that, I'm actually going to receive something to myself. Isn't that what we should do? Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that make logical sense? When God has his hands open to us, with the grace that we need for this season, God is offering it to us. What should we do? As his sons and daughters. Not people who have tried to, to make it without God. As his sons and daughters. Anybody out there that have children and you held money in your hand towards your children. Did anybody's children ever say to you, I'm not worthy, Dad. And turn and walk away. There's no story like that. What did they do? As fast as you held it out to them, they took it. Why? Because they're your children. 
They know that you love them and care about them and you're offering something to And the fact that you're offering it to them because you love them. You want them to have it. What about God who's sitting on his throne of grace, who's looking at his sons and daughters? What is he wanting to do? Is he wanting you to struggle without his grace? No, he offers and gives us grace. So what should we do as sons and daughters? We should believe that God is offering us his grace and then receive what he gives us. We see this illustrated here in Mark chapter 10 in the ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 10 says this. Then he came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. And a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So he's blind and he's sitting there. He's begging. When he heard that Jesus of Nat- when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did we read about the throne of grace? What is it that we can find at the throne of grace? We can find mercy and grace. We can find two things that we don't deserve. We don't qualify for. But he gives it to us. Because we're his children. We're his sons and daughters. Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Verse 40, and many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and said, cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. Verse 51, Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, somebody might think, well, this is kind of a silly question, Jesus. I mean, because the the clothes that Bartimaeus actually had to wear, that this cloak that he cast aside actually signified him in this culture, in this time, as a blind person. So Jesus knew that he was blind. But Jesus still asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, do we see here the connection between faith and receiving? That Jesus was providing for Bartimaeus the healing power. And then what does the scripture say? What does Jesus say about Bartimaeus? Jesus is here. He's offering By the grace of God. Something that's on Jesus. He's offering it to Bartimaeus who's here in the middle. In the middle of a world where he is no good. And life has been a struggle and he's blind. Jesus is offering something to him. And then what does Jesus say to him about his healing? He said, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he, talking about Bartimaeus, received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I guess so. 
What did Bartimaeus do? Come on now, are you with me? Did you read it with me? What did Bartimaeus do? He received it. Jesus said, hey, your faith, your faith in God, your trust in God. We know Bartimaeus had had faith in Jesus. He's calling out, son of David, have mercy on me. He had an expectation about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. Do we have an expectation about who God is in our lives? That God is sitting on the throne of grace, offering us grace and mercy. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Do we have more faith in the circumstances than we do God? Man, circumstances, they're up and down. They're all over the place. In the middle of that, in the middle of the struggle... Jesus says about Bartimaeus that he had faith and then he actually received his sight. This is a lesson for us. God who's sitting on his throne of grace, who is offering his promises to us, which rest on his grace, that we are actually supposed to have faith in God who gives us his promises. That we put our trust in him. And when we have faith in him, we are actually receiving what he gives. That my expectation that I that when I wake up today, God is offering me his promises so that I can live. He's offering me his grace so that I can live over here in this broken, messed up world. Sitting on his throne of grace is, hey, I've got I've got help for today. So what should we do? What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be receiving by faith, by putting our trust in him, receiving what he gives us. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So what do we read about Abraham? That these things were written for us so that we can actually be encouraged. So what did Abraham do? He obtained the promise. What are we supposed to do? God who's on his throne of grace, offering us mercy and grace. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to obtain the promise. The mercy and grace. The ever-present help in time of trouble. Listen to this verse. This is awesome. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he granted to us. Does that sound like grace? What did he do? He granted it to us. Based on what? His character, his nature. He gave us something by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that 
through them you may become the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What did verse 3 said? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to your life that you need, God from his throne of grace is offering them to you. Man, that's good news today. That should make us happy today. What do you need right now in your life? There's nothing too big for God. In any, in any realm of life, all things, all things, everybody say all things. What does all things leave out? Nothing. It's granted to you. Things that you need for your life. They haven't taken God by surprise. What you need right now, he's offering it to you. From his throne of grace. What should we do? What does a wise child do when you offer them a gift? What do they do? They receive it. So we get up every morning. Because we know we're going into a corrupt world. We just read that there. And in the middle of a corrupt world, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So I get up in the morning and we go to the throne of grace and we say, God, I'm going out here today. I need what you have for me. I need what you're offering for me because this world is hard. These circumstances are difficult, but you are bigger than these circumstances. Your power, your grace is bigger than that. And you know what I need. And you have granted to me all things that I need for my life. I receive from you today. I receive from you your strength, your peace, your forgiveness, your healing power, your blessing upon my life. And then I turn to the day. With my head held high. Because I am a son of the most high God. Who sits on the throne of grace. And offers me grace for the day. And so I go. With a smile on my face. My shoulders back. Because I know that God has given me grace. And I have received his grace for this time and for this season. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father. We thank you today for your grace. We love you. We love you so much because you are a God of all grace. And we remember this morning that you are sitting on your throne of grace. Offer me all that I need today. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.